0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Objective Health. My name is Doug. Uh, With me today are my co-hosts, Elliot and Erica. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about... Oh, and Damien's with us on the wheels of steel. Sorry, Damien. Oh, thanks for remembering. (laughs) (laughs) My mind's a little scrambled today. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about are the signs of aging really caused by aging? And, yeah, we kind of were, were talking about this because, well, let me tell a little story. When I was in nutrition school, way back when, um, they would always kind of attribute to certain things to being due to aging. Like, the one that I remember in particular was like, oh, yeah, as, as you age, um, your ability to produce uh, stomach acid decreases, so older people have less stomach acid cuz they don't have the ability to make as much stomach acid anymore and it always kind of struck me as odd it's like well why is that but th- the only answer ever given is aging right and it's kind of like it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that you know all these different things that they attribute to aging whether it be like you know the body just kind of you know not being able to produce what it needs to or diseases particularly diseases actually like uh, especially like autoimmune conditions or chronic conditions is they always get attributed to aging. But then you hear these stories of like, people, you know, turn of the century or older, um, basically like they would be working until they died and they never succumbed to any of these like chronic disease conditions. Their body didn't start falling apart. They weren't like in, you know, basically in bed for two years dying very slowly as we see nowadays. So it's kind of like made us sort of think about, well, what is actually attributable to aging as opposed to, well, other causes, let's say. So that was kind of the the jumping off point for our show today.
1: Yeah, aging, aging, It's I mean, it's a funny word. uh, I mean, I don't think there's any like unified definition of like exactly what that is. Like, what is aging, and then what is just poor lifestyle? What is just illness? You know, it's almost yes. like, right, what they've tried to do is pathologize aging. Mm-hmm. It's just like they pathologize, it, it, I think pathologize is a word, right? Yeah. yeah. If yes. it's not, then you understand <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> they tried to pathologize menopause, right? And so, in the context of menopause, if a female gets to a kind of mid 50s, And then she ceases to produce eggs, or, you know, she's run out of her eggs. And so she naturally kind of goes through the phases of menopause. It's like doctors will class that as a disease and they will medicate that. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, there's actually a lot of elderly women, of course, I say elderly, but kind of, you know, menopausal women who experience horrible symptoms. Okay, fair enough. Um, But that is prolonged for a very long time. Um, And it really. Benefits the pharmaceutical companies, right? There's many thousands, hundreds of thousands of women on HRT. Mm-hmm. So it's like with the menopause, what they did was they basically said that this was almost like in the same class of a disease, and so they can medicate it. And it seems like to some extent that's what they've done with aging as well. Mm-hmm. And so I had, you know, I actually study with um, with the American Academy for Anti Aging Medicine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and they take this kind of approach as well. In that, aging is something that you should, um, you know, is a disease kind of thing. It's it's a bad thing, and and you should try to do what you can not to age. Whereas the way that I see it is actually we should try to age gracefully. Mm -hmm. You're always going to age, but what does aging actually mean? Does it mean that you should become a decrepit kind of broken uh, body of bones, you know, Mm. bag of bones kind of thing, or is is, is, is it a natural process that doesn't have to involve all of these horrible symptoms? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, it's really, well, it's just crazy. I mean, you were mentioning the stuff about the, um, the, um, menopause and, uh, I know Erica, you had, uh, brought up an article before, um, about, uh, osteoporosis as well. Mm-hmm.
2: And it and was the, osteopenia.
0: Yeah. That those are another thing where they're kind of like medicalizing something that's actually quite normal. Um, mm-hmm. basically like, you know, they're comparing everybody's bone density to the bone density of a 30 year old and saying, oh yeah, that's not normal. We got to put you on medication to get your bone density up. And it's like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you comp- Compare the bone density of a sixty-year-old woman to that of a thirty-year-old woman, and say that mm-hmm. the you know a certain amount of loss of bone density is is a normal part of aging. So yeah. why you know that comparison really just makes it so that they can sell more of their their osteoporosis drugs.
2: Yeah, and it was created by the WHO actually. Um, The uh, World Health Organization in the early 90s started uh, to project upon millions of women's bodies, uh, convincing them that they had a drug treatable, though symptomless disease. And this is osteopenia and osteoporosis. And, um, you know, so start getting tested. And the reason that I was actually interested in. Looking more into this is I work in a fitness center and I have a lot of women that are over 65. And in the last like six months, six of them have come to me and they're all of a sudden very concerned about osteopenia. And my doctor just diagnosed me, and you know, and they're all in really good health. They walk on the treadmill, they exercise, they eat well, you know, and so all of a sudden, this new added stress in addition to you know normal i call it maturing these days cuz you know people don't want to say oh i'm aging but if right. you're maturing gracefully right and so that's why i found this article really interesting and it's called the manufacturing of bone diseases the story of osteoporosis and osteopenia and uh, green med info carried that and so yeah just like you're saying they they talk about menopause in there it's just another illness that women have to worry about that they're going to get, you know, and um, they don't know that it's a bone density test. So they just send out some random number and, Oh, your bone density is low. And then all of a sudden women are stressing out about it, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot more that goes, uh, that's involved in bone health than simply bone density, right? There's research showing that you can, Quite easily increase bone density um, by giving certain medications. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, you can increase bone density quite nicely with something called strontium, which is a, a type of mineral. But that doesn't necessarily protect you from fracture, right? So, so just increasing the density does not. Prevent someone from, or does not significantly anyway, prevent, them, prevent an individual from developing, um, a, you know, a, a breaking the bones. So, so it's like actually, there's a lot more to kind of maintaining integrity of the musculoskeletal system as you're getting old just by this one individual parameter, which is bone density which is what they market it as so that they can get people on these drugs to improve bone density. Again, it seems like a marketing ploy from Big Pharma, um, again, pathologizing something which is a natural consequence.
0: Yeah, because flexibility is really important in bones too, possibly even more important than density. Um, And, you know, loading yourself up on... You know, the other thing that people tend to do is like... um, Start loading up on calcium supplements, like just absolutely chucking back these these uh, calcium supplements. Like there's no tomorrow. Got to get more calcium in there. Got to get it into my bones. But realistically, like you know, I say G from Green Med Info actually makes this this analogy quite a bit. He's like, if you think of a piece of chalk, right? That's like basically all calcium. It's super brittle. That's not like you know, even though it's very dense, it's actually quite brittle. So having a dense bone is not necessarily what you want because a bone you know despite the fact we don't really think of bones as being particularly flexible they do have some flexibility and that's also important to maintain rather than just density
1: Mm -hmm. and there's also muscle mass as well so actually not your bones your systemic muscle mass Mm -hmm. so are your ligaments are your tendons are your muscles surrounding the bone? Are they strong? Because actually, if your connective tissue as a whole, if you lose the um, the, the cushioning, etc. So this is kind of just coming back to this is you know maintaining systemic health rather than focusing on one parameter. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, you know, if your connective tissue, if there's good cushioning for the bones, then actually they are acting as shock absorbers. So in the case that you do have some kind of trauma. Um, then you're gonna be much less likely to th- the bone is is gonna be taking a lot less of a um, you know like a trauma or the force if your other tissues are in place to actually protect that as well mm-hmm. so again I mean it's you can't just focus on one small parameter and, and expect that that is you know miraculously gonna fix the problem on the content of, of, of aging just so kind of like uh, We can kind of come up with a broad definition, so to speak. I mean, in the scientific literature, there's there's these kind of nine. uh, They're called hallmarks of aging. So nine areas of biology, or how the body changes, the cells change, Um, and these are kind of the hallmarks of aging. They're referred to as, Um, and this is not necessarily symptoms. The symptoms would be. Because of these changes at a much more fundamental level, so there is changes to the genes, so that it's referred to as genomic instability. So genes are housed um, within the the cells, and essentially, when the cells are kind of working as they should do, via long periods of time, or when they come across stresses or whatever, then you can have damaging substances which can essentially kind of pick holes in the. In the genes, in the DNA, it, it can affect how the DNA is kind of transcribed and all of this kind of stuff. So you can actually have damage to the DNA, um, and then that can kind of affect lots of things um, downstream from that. There are these things called telomeres. Now, telomeres—I think we've spoken about this on past shows. They're these—they're um, basically like the caps on the um, on the DNA. Okay. So, so so they're like these caps on the end and, and there's a lot of research showing that there's certain things which shorten them and then certain things which lengthen them. So when your cells are exposed to certain influences, the idea is, is that as the telomeres shorten, it lowers or it shortens the lifespan. So there's lots of research looking into how you, know, you can lengthen the telomeres or how you can delay the shortening of them and actually improving lifespan. So in this case, Things like calorie restriction and fasting, and um, you know different types of supplements and nutrients and exercise, how this affects kind of the telomeres, which then would affect the lifespan, which is essentially involved in in aging, right? Um, and then there's other stuff. So how the cells are processing nutrients, um, how they are able, or how well you're able to tap into your stel- stem cells. So stem cells are basically like um, uh, non-differentiated cells which can go on to produce or you can, you, can, you can take that as a raw material and then convert that into some other kind of a cell that you need to replace some damaged cell. Um, and that actually there's this idea that actually you, you, you exhaust your supply of stem cells. You exhaust that and then you're going to be in a much worse position to be able to repair damage, repair DNA and all this other kind of stuff. But essentially there's loads of different kind of cellular mechanisms, but how this manifests I guess in the context of aging, natural aging um, is a gradual decline in how things are functioning. So we see this in respect to um, our hormone production. Generally as someone grows older then they produce less hormones and that's a natural consequence we were talking about in menopause. That's a very normal thing, um, but it's also important to note that many of the female hormones, for instance, progesterone, is um, very much slows down that aging process. So it's it's again it's a natural consequence that when someone does go through menopause, that is when they are going to be. Uh, kind of experiencing the symptoms associated with aging um, but again this this is one of the reasons why the the skin becomes wrinkly because actually the collagen fibers you're no longer able to repair the collagen as you as well as you could do, and that actually the the gradual kind of wear and tear is going to um, you know affect pretty much every single part of the body but that does not mean i don't think it means anyway that you are meant. Or that the human body is, at the age of sixty, you know, is meant to develop some crippling autoimmune condition, Mm -hmm. is no longer going to be able to digest their food, Mm -hmm. and is going to have to live in chronic pain for the next twenty five years in a nursing home with dementia.
0: Exactly.
1: That is that seems to be the route that, um, you know, that a lot of the science is taking all these definitions is saying that dementia and Pathologies are natural con- consequences of aging, and yeah. that's just not true, because there are many individuals, especially like I don't know, listeners probably know about the blue zones, but I mean you can look at any elderly kind of population, say in one of these um, one of these areas where you have people who live to long, 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 like long and healthy lives, you see that they develop the wrinkles, they may develop kind of some of the muscle wasting. They may develop some of the other things, menopause, right? But they do not get dementia. They're not in—you know—they don't have autoimmune conditions, and they're not crippled. Yeah. So they're two different things.
0: Yeah, very much so. And when you look at those, um, all those different biological mechanisms that you were talking about—excuse me. Um, There's so many places where things can actually interfere and go wrong, particularly things from the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, diet obviously is a huge one, but also, you know, environmental exposures, all those different kinds of things. Like there's so many different things that are actually vulnerable within our biology to interference from these outside things. So as our environment has become basically more and more toxic, our food has become more and more toxic, all of these different exposures, all of these things have kind of crept in. And has been normalized as, like you're saying, Elliot, a normal part of aging. But those things are clearly not normal. Um, you know, if you look back at previous generations, um, and you know, a lot of people will say, "Oh, yeah, well, people didn't have as long lifespans back then; they didn't live as long." So we're just seeing by having an extended lifespan, um, these these are the kinds of things that happen when you extend the lifespan. But I don't buy that argument because, for one thing, most of the time they're actually not. Um, taking out the infant mortality um, statistics from that, so on average, yes, lifespans were shorter, but that's because infant mortality was much higher, right? So you have to you have to remove that part of the statistic to actually get a, a clear picture. And when you actually do that, it's only like two percent or something like that, like the the amount that we're living longer. Um,
2: And where's the quality of life in the amount that we're living longer as well?
0: Yeah. I mean, especially when you look at, I mean, that argument kind of falls apart when you look at the fact that people are getting these chronic diseases younger and younger. I mean, I was just reading an article the other day. I think we even talked about it on the show about millennials getting Alzheimer's disease. It's like millennials, that's the younger generation from me. Right. So the idea that, um, that this is just a consequence of longer lifespans, it doesn't wash with me because a lot of these Mm -hmm. conditions are showing up younger and younger and younger. So that clearly indicates that this is not a result of aging.
1: Yeah, or or what it is, is that the, the natural process which would occur over the span of, say, 80 years or 90 years, because of those various environmental influences and the dietary influences what that is doing is that is speeding up many mm. of those processes right so so for instance the dna damage the mitochondrial dysfunction these are some of the hallmarks now they are the gradual decline may happen on a very 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 slow rate so when someone is yeah, say 80 85 years old their mitochondrial function is naturally going to be you know not what it was when it was when they were 20 years old right mm-hmm. but then because of the xenobiotic exposure, so the chemicals, the Wi-Fi radiation, the poor dietary choices, the sedentary lifestyles, the poor sleep, the chronic stress, all of this other kind of stuff, right? What that does at the cellular level is it it increases, right? It increases the rate at which those natural aging processes would occur. So I guess to some extent, These diseases are because of aging, but it's not a good definition, right? It's like, okay, it's like, okay, there's things which like mess up how cells work. And yeah, okay, aging over 90 years may gradually mess up how cells work if you want to look at it like that. But there are things which are fundamentally toxic to cells. And so the aging process seems to be increasing exponentially so that you know someone who is in their mid 40s has the mitochondria of a 90 year old mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah totally so i mean it's really it's it's difficult to kind of separate out i mean what is the natural um process of aging versus what is just poor lifestyle factors environmental exposures poor diet all those kinds of things Um, to really actually try and tease those things apart because essentially now we don't really have any population that can act as something as a comparison, right? To be able to say, well, this is what happens to these people when they age and they are exposed to all the crap that we're exposed to. No, It it doesn't really exist on the planet anymore. Pretty much everybody is exposed to all the same crap at this point. So Mm -hmm. it, it makes it really difficult. And all we can really do is kind of look back to some of the writings from you know, way back, like, you know, Weston A. Price, for instance, you know, he was writing kind of in the early to mid 1900s, and um, was looking at kind of traditional peoples who were still eating their traditional diets. And you could see like, you know, the health, the vitality. And, you know, I just think about how, even in my lifetime, people used to talk about people dying of old age. That Mm -hmm. was the cause of death, old age. They weren't dying of cancer. They weren't dying of whatever else, diabetes, like any of these diseases that kind of just get tacked on to aging now. Now, some people might argue, well, yeah, but we're just better at identifying those things. Now, those people were probably dying of those diseases, um, and we, didn't, we just didn't know because we didn't know what those diseases were. Again, I don't buy it because those diseases yeah. have very strong symptoms. You can see those things. People these days are falling apart. It is a roller coaster drop to death. You know what I mean. So yeah, I I don't buy it. I think that there was, like I said at the top of the show, people would go out into the fields and keep on working until the day they died. One day they just wouldn't get up, and that was it.
2: And and to kind of speak to that, Doug, I think it's important, like uh, especially talking about. You know the Western Price stuff. Like, also, people had to continue to go out in the fields and work and continue mm-hmm. to sustain their everyday living. They didn't have a lot of the modern conveniences that people have now, so they were mentally, you know, you I um, young in mind and heart, and mm-hmm. you know, knew that they needed to do what they needed to do to make it through the day. So their life had meaning, and I feel like um, at least what I observe in the U S is like, you know, you get to be retirement age, whatever that keeps getting older and older, you know, 65. And then it's like people retire and then, you know, they, they don't keep active or they, they in a sense almost become depressed too, because now that that meaning that they spent their last 30 years of their life doing has now changed. And, um, you know, they become more sedentary. They stop, uh, you know, moving around as much. And, um, and again, in the medical system in the West, we kind of treat them that way, you know, Oh, grandma shouldn't go walking because she might have a fall and break her hip or, you know what I mean? And so it becomes like, uh, a mental thing as well, I think, you know, and then rapidly, um, degenerating over time, like I was speaking with a emergency room doctor, palliative care emergency room doctor. And he was saying that once people are wheelchair bound, like for whatever reason, usually within six to nine months, they'll pass away because Mm. they are not no longer moving around. They can't, they don't have mobility. And then the muscle wasting happens. And it's almost like they've given up. And he said, it's amazing to see how once people are wheelchair-bound, they just give up. They, they, they fig- feel that they're no longer useful, you know, and in the West, we have this tendency to just relegate people to old people's homes instead of in other cultures where they keep the grandparents in the house helping with the children, helping with the cooking, you know what I mean? There's still, still a reason to live. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's very sad.
0: Yeah. So, I think that, you know, it it always comes back to kind of the same thing on our show as far as, like, <clears throat> what, what you can, can you actually do. do. <laughs> what can you do about aging? How can we stop aging? And one thing that I can say is that I think that a lot of, you know, this. there is a huge industry that has grown up around this whole idea of anti-aging. Um, and... I think a lot of the stuff that's out there is kind of snake oil. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to dismiss absolutely everything that's out there. Maybe there are some some good things, but I think generally the stuff that's based on antioxidants is based on a very primitive understanding of oxidation and antioxidation, and I don't think that people <clears throat> really know enough. Like, the idea being that, you know, if you if you just take this supplement that's super high on antioxidants, it's going to um, have anti-aging effects and you're not going to, you, you know, you're not going to age. And generally, the popular conception of anti-aging is, like, not get wrinkles or gray hair. Um, and I think that those, like, that, that kind of thing, that kind of perspective is kind of naive, Um, things are much more complicated than I'm sure Elliot has more of an idea of this than I do, but like the idea of oxidation and antioxidation, like it's, it's not as simple as just eat a bunch of antioxidants and you won't age as quickly. I think things are a lot more, uh, complicated. So you'd probably be best to not, you know, blow your fortune on these kinds of products.
2: What's, what is it uh, drink red wine for the resveratrol that was a big one and yeah, <laughs> it's okay that to drink lots of red wine cuz resveratrol combats aging i yeah. think that's just a, an open invitation for people to get hammered but that's <laughs> me you know what i mean
0: <laughs> well it's funny too because suddenly like as soon as that whole antioxidant thing started getting popular like suddenly everything was a superfood you know, mm-hmm. like chocolate, red wine, e- everything basically is like nuts. Nuts are superfoods. It's like everything basically in your cupboard suddenly became a superfood. And it was like, like that doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, my, my parents have been uh, drinking wine, eating chocolate and nuts for <laughs> their decades. And I haven't seen any, uh, you know, slowdown in their aging. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was just a very simplistic way of looking at things. And a mark. It, it basically just became a marketing scheme. Like, you know, cause if you can sell something as anti-aging or really high in antioxidants, it's, you know... And everyone's getting
2: a little bit older each day. So you have an endless population to sell these uh, ideas to, right? You know, people at 26 are worried. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen when I turn 40? I better start eating my chocolate and drinking my wine now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think you're right. I think it's a marketing, you know, it's a paranoia uh, for the vein in a lot of ways, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they capitalize on on human beings inherent fear of death, Yeah, you know, and they'll do anything they can to, to try to, um, you know, to prevent the, the inevitable reality that we're all going <laughs> to die at some point. And it's people don't like to think about it. Right. It's true.
2: So are you saying we're going to die, Elliot? Is that what you're saying?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, f- here first, folks. Everybody's going to die. Yeah. I think, you know, more or less uh, cleaning up your diet, cleaning up your environment, trying not to be exposed to too much um, pollution, other stuff in the environment. Like, I mean, that that's basically the best anti-aging protocol more or less exercise and exercise. I got Thanks, one. Damien. I got
2: a good one too. Um, dancing. Oh, yeah. So uh, slow down your aging process with dancing. So just as Damien just said, scientists and doctors say that dancing and endurance training increases the area of the brain that declines with age dancing has the ability to counteract the age related decline in mental and physical capacity leading to noticeable behavior changes. So start ballroom dancing, find a partner.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Well, unless there's anything else, I think that is our, our, our show has aged to full maturity and it's time, it's time to end it now. Thanks everybody for joining us today on Objective Health. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe if you feel so inclined. Share the video with all your friends and we will see you next time for another exciting episode.
2: Bye-bye. See you.